1: Hey everyone, welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse, and today we are going to continue our conversation about fertility and preventing unintended pregnancy. I'm still very concerned about this. This is a topic that I am very passionate about, part of my mission and purpose in life is to help prevent unintended pregnancies and the spread of sexually transmitted diseases. And so to that end, today we are going even deeper into the conversation. You may remember my episode from a couple weeks ago, Birth Control and the Zombie Apocalypse, where we started having this conversation. And then a couple weeks after that, we had a conversation with Robin Rose Bennett about herbal birth control. And today, what I want to talk about is more about the natural birth control methods, in particular fertility awareness. So, for somebody, for example, who maybe was interested in using herbal contraception, the very first step is to get to know your cycle. And to do that, it would be to employ, to utilize, to get to know your body. So, to use the tools and the methods that ...allow you to get acquainted with your body and cycle. So today we're going to go deeper into those. So let's talk a little bit about natural birth control methods. So what are they exactly? So the definition can depend on who you're talking to. In general... I feel like they are any birth control method that does not involve hormonal birth control so that your body is allowed to cycle naturally. So natural birth control methods could include barrier methods like a condom, for example. It could include a copper IUD because that doesn't contain hormones and that allows you to cycle normally. It include, could include something like the withdrawal method, which means that the man does not ejaculate inside the woman during intercourse. And it could also include the herbal contraception methods, like we talked about previously. And finally, we have what is called fertility awareness method, which are a collection of techniques based in science that we can use to collect information about what our body and cycle is doing over the course of our monthly cycle, our fertility cycle. We're gonna go into detail on those methods here in a second. I also wanna tell you what fertility awareness methods are not. So fertility awareness is not the same as the rhythm method. The rhythm method is an educated guess based on your cycle history as to when you might be fertile in the future. And that is used to make decisions on that will impact whether or not you get pregnant. I also don't consider period tracker apps as a method of natural birth control. My opinion is that the majority of them are essentially computerized versions of the rhythm method and so what they're doing is just using a you know a more sophisticated you know average of your cycle information to make an educated guess as to when you're fertile now i don't know about you but for me personally basing reproductive decisions on an educated guess doesn't work for me it's not something that i ever felt comfortable doing Fertility awareness methods are based in science. And so what is happening is there's certain changes that are happening in the body as a result of the hormones over the course of a cycle. And so what we can do is we can monitor these hormonal changes because they do produce changes that can be measured and charted so that we can gather good scientific data to base these decisions off of. Now, there's a big difference between women who have regular cycles and who have irregular cycles. Now, for somebody who has a regular cycle, that means that they get a menstrual period in a regular, predictable way. So, they have a general idea of when their period is going to arrive, and it generally shows up. you know, on schedule. The cycle may last 26 days, it might be 27, it could be 28, it could be 29, it could be 30, whatever is normal for you. And what part of the process is, is spending a period of time getting acquainted with your body, charting those details, and getting to know what is normal for you. So women who have irregular cycles, it's going to take a lot more charting and observing in order to really get a sense of what is happening. And it requires a lot of diligent tracking. And that can maybe be the most challenging part about fertility awareness methods is being consistent, showing up every day and charting your cycle. So let's talk about charting your cycle. So first of all, there's two different ways to do it. You can do it on paper, which is the way I encourage my clients to do it because I want that tangible experience of you know seeing it on paper, writing it down, having the charts near your bed, being able to, you know, at the at the at the end of every cycle, the beginning of every new cycle. One thing that I did was I created this little ritual for myself. Is every month, every cycle, when my period started anew. I would, on that day of the first day of bleeding, day one, I would set some time aside and complete my chart from the previous cycle, print new ones for the next cycle, get everything all ready, spend some time, drink some tea, and just made it a, a habit of doing that. Every time I got a new period, I would sit down, I would devote that time to getting ready for the new cycle. You can also use apps to track your signs and symptoms, but I really encourage people, especially when they're learning, to just you know, do it on paper and make it really easy on yourself to see because when you have you know, those pages that you can lay out in front of you, it really can help you to see the patterns where you might not see them as well as you might on an app, for example. I also encourage my clients to track as many of the different symptoms as they possibly can, because especially in the first six months, like this is an information gathering mission. You want to record as many signs and symptoms as you can, because I want you to be the observer. I want you to just watch for like the first three months to just see what your body's doing. Don't try to interpret anything. Just See what is normal for you. And then once you have three months of charts, then you can sit there and you can look, you can count the days and see how long your cycles are. You can notice like when certain things appear, when certain things disappear, how you feel at certain times. And I do encourage tracking things like moods, emotions, um, thoughts, and you know, feelings, just kind of like where you're at. So there's more to it than just the physical aspects of it because hormones you know they're chemical messengers they impact our moods they impact how we feel about ourselves how we feel about other people you know how sexy we feel you know whether we want to have sex you know maybe we have no libido so all of these different things are relevant and the more information that you record, the more useful your charts will be when it comes time to learning, you know, sitting down and evaluating and learning more about your cycle. I mean, sure, we live in these bodies, but we may not make correlations or connections unless we are paying attention to certain things. So really what this is, when somebody is learning fertility awareness methods is is like a deep, deep dive into your personal biochemistry, like how your body functions, how your cycle is connected to your emotions and other aspects of your life. And when you get in a greater understanding of this, you can also like schedule your life based on your cycle. For example, when estrogen levels are high, you might be more energetic, more outgoing. You might feel more social. You might want to go hang out with friends more, um, which might be a little challenging during this particular time period since we're all like hanging out at home and this kind of thing. But we can you know, reach out on Zoom and on Skype and connect Facebook, FaceTime with our loved ones and have some of that face-to-face interaction. When is the best time to start tracking your cycle? Well, right now, start today. There's, you know, a couple of things that you need. You can need a a calendar, you need a a graph depending on, you know, what you are going to be tracking. I will post things like that that you can use, that you can print and use on my website. So I'll post those in the show notes. So holisticsexedradio.com, look for the link for previous episodes and you'll find it right there. So yes, the best time to start charting your cycle is right now. When you're starting your cycle, let's start at the beginning, okay? So day one of your cycle is the first day of bleeding. What if you're a spot, if you're somebody who spots before you start to bleed? I would record day one as probably the first day of full bleeding. Um, If I was working with somebody, with a client, um, what I would do is I would probably evaluate her cycles after a few months and see like what feels right. But for right now, um, what I would do is I would just mark in your notes, you know, spotting these two days and then the first day of first full bleed, I would count that as day one. And again, we are just observing at this point. So there's lots of room for error. We're not making any decisions whatsoever based, you know, like on birth control stuff. The rule is when you're learning, use protection, use protection, use protection, use protection. So what does that look like? Condoms are a great choice. If you happen to have an IUD, awesome. IUD works great. Um, Again, if you have a copper IUD, that works. If you have one of the hormonal IUDs like Mirena, that one is not going to work for this particular purpose because what it does is it doesn't allow you to cycle naturally because there's hormones in there, so it has an impact on your cycle. What is the length of the learning curve? Well, it depends if you have coaching or not. For somebody who is going it on their own and who's going to figure it out by themselves, I would say that your learning curve is going to last between five and eight months. We'll call it six months just for fun. Um, One of the things to be aware of is that around the six-month point, a lot of people are starting to feel very confident about their what they've learned, what they're learning about their bodies. And at this point, people are sometimes starting not to use contraception at certain times during the cycle. And what I've noticed is that around the six-month point, people can start feeling a little overconfident. And if you're feeling overconfident, if you make a mistake, a lot of times the result is unintended pregnancy, which is what we're trying to avoid here. Now, if you get coaching, you can decrease that learning curve quite a bit because you have the experience of somebody who has had a lot of experience with other people's cycles, including their own, to help you figure out what's going on. So that can be very valuable. And in that case, your learning curve is absolutely going to be three months long for sure around month four or five, you know, depending on what things look like, you know, there might be some room for starting to make some decisions around birth control, um, reproductive decisions. And when you have a deep, thorough understanding of your body and cycle, every time you have sex, you have the choice of Am I going to get pregnant now or not? And of course, you know, that question also determines, like, am I ha- do I happen to be fertile at this moment also factors into it. But there's a very conscious decision-making process around when you know you are fertile, when you know the timeframes that you're fertile, you know if right now, if you have unprotected sex, that you'll get pregnant. And, of course, I am making the assumption that everybody's plumbing is working appropriately. I know infertility is a huge challenge a lot of women struggle with. So this call is not addressing that in any way, shape, or form. This is a conversation around women who are having menstrual cycles on a regular basis who are menstruating who do have fertility and if you're struggling with infertility then that's clearly another conversation that we aren't going to have today so we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back we are going to dive into some of the fertility awareness methods so stay tuned we'll be right back Are you sick of condoms? Does hormonal birth control make you feel sick? Does it cause you to gain weight or kill your sex drive? Do you wish there was a better way to manage your fertility that didn't involve putting artificial hormones in your body? There is a better way and I've been using it successfully to manage my fertility for over 25 years. It starts with a greater understanding of the female body and a deep dive into exploring your own body and cycle to discover what is normal for you. In my online course, you'll learn about the female cycle and natural birth control methods. I'll teach you my fertility freedom formula so that you'll know how to successfully apply this information To provide you with the level of protection you need to feel comfortable to engage sexually without fear of getting pregnant or getting a sexually transmitted infection. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com.
0: Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. So I am
1: going to be talking to you now about some of the fertility awareness methods. Let's go deeper into this conversation. So the very first one I want to talk about is monitoring the cervical fluids or sometimes called cervical mucus. And so where this comes from is there's these little areas inside the cervix, sometimes called cervical crypts. And these are like little channels and they, their job is to secrete mucus. And the mucus is affected by estrogen levels. So when the estrogen levels are low in the body, so at the very beginning of the cycle during menstruation, the estrogen levels are low. As fertility increases, as ovulation approaches, estrogen levels rise. When we talked about the reason for this in some of our previous conversations, which is the egg follicles are growing, and as they grow, they secrete estrogen. And so as the estrogen levels rise in the body, what happens is that there's a change in consistency in the cervical fluid. So During the non-fertile times of the cycle, what happens is, is the mucus has a consistency of kind of like, it's like, oh, I don't know, like paste. So it's like thick, it's whitish or off-white in color. It's pasty. Um, If you have some between your like thumb and finger, when you like mush it together and move it around on your fingers, it's kind of tacky and there's not usually a lot of it. It will usually, if you happen to um, be someone who is going to, and we're going to talk about this method in a second, observe their cervix using a plastic speculum, what you'll see is that bit of non-fertile mucus will, like, sit right in the opening of the cervix. And what that does is that acts as like a plug to keep out sperm, to keep out, you know, anything that doesn't belong in there, but in particular the sperm. And so during the non-fertile parts of the cycle, the cervix is closed, the estrogen levels are low, there's not a lot of mucus or moisture. As estrogen levels rise, the fluids start to change. And so it becomes more of it and it starts to change in consistency. It's not quite so pasty, and maybe it's more creamy, like lotion. And so there's a change in the consistency. And as the estrogen levels increase more, it changes even more. So it goes from kind of lotion-y to more watery, and it starts to become a little bit more clear instead of white or opaque. And when you've got the most fertile mucus, if you take some between your finger and your thumb, you can often stretch an unbroken strand of it between your thumb and your forefinger or your middle finger, whatever finger you happen to be using. And that is the most fertile mucus. So it's often described more as like egg whites, for example, can be stretchy like that. And there'll be more of it. And you might notice like when you wipe, with the toilet paper that during your fertile times, you may feel more slippery or you might need to wipe with toilet paper more to feel clean because there's just more lubrication there. This can be something that women don't really expect. And so there's a lot of confusion sometimes. Like some women will think that this increase in cervical fluids or mucus means that there's something wrong there's some women who have mistakenly thought that this was a yeast infection that they get yeast infections every month which is not true actually it's like this is a normal natural part of your cycle and if you're thinking that you're getting a a yeast infection every month and then you're using the -the over-the-counter medications you can set yourself up for problems so i think having that knowledge that oh during certain times of the month, my body is going to produce more cervical fluids. It's going to feel different when I wipe. It's going to be more noticeable. Some women have copious amounts of discharge. Some women have very little discharge. And this is all part of finding out what is normal for you. And this is why I encourage women to take really good notes like, you know, touch it taste it smell it as your fertility increases there is differences in the flavor the sensation the odor i mean all of it like there is differences as the estrogen levels rise and then after ovulation occurs the estrogen levels drop off very rapidly. And you'll see after ovulation occurs that the cervical fluids will dry up very quickly, often within a day after ovulation. Or sometimes even they might dry up just before ovulation happens because the way the hormones work is estrogen levels go high. And as they hit a certain point, there is another hormone that comes into play called luteinizing hormone. And this hormone, its job is to suppress all but the most developed of the egg follicles. And so as these other egg follicles are depressed, the estrogen levels drop as a result. And so this is going to change the consistency of the cervical fluids. And some women, like I said, their cervical fluids will dry up very rapidly just before ovulation occurs or right as ovulation is occurring. So there's a little bit, you know, there's going to be a little bit of unique, what does your body do here? And so this is where tracking all of the different signs and symptoms can be very helpful in helping you figure out what is normal for you, what your body is actually doing. It's actually really fun to be able to narrow ovulation, like the window of ovulation down to 12, 24 hours or so, which can be done, But it requires really knowing your body very well and also having access to tools to help you confirm that ovulation did happen and all of that good stuff. So how do you check your cervical music? So how do you check your cervical fluids? So one way to do this is I'm going to say you have to touch it. You have to touch yourself. You have to touch the cervical fluids. So one way of doing this, you can touch the opening of the vagina and see what kind of fluids are there, see if there's anything there. And if there's nothing there, if you want more information, you can actually reach up inside the vagina with two fingers and see if you can find your cervix. And if you can, with the two fingers, you can just kind of scoop some of the the mucus that's up in there off the face of the cervix and pull it out and take a look and see what you got. It might be just like a little bit of it. It could be clumpy, it could be whitish. It could be stretchy, clear, I mean, anything in between. And just close your eyes and rub it in between your fingers. Even do that before you even look at it. So you can just feel the consistency and learn to tell the difference between infertile, approaching increasing fertility, and the most fertile versions. And then once you've got a good feel of what it feels like, nice good tactile feeling, then you can look at it, you can smell it, you can taste it, see all the different things, and then write this stuff down. Like keep really good notes. Keep a notebook. I had a, uh, like a red three-ring binder that I would use. I got Paper that was already punched holes in. I had a hole punch to like punch my charts and stuff. And I had um, what else did I had? I had a, a moon cycle chart, which I'll see if I can find the uh, the link for that. There's a lady who creates those. Um, she used to have it online, which I assume she still does. So I'll I'll hook you up with that link there. Which that that uh, chart in particular was super fun because it has the moon cycles, and so as you color in the days that you're bleeding and then as you figure out when you're ovulating what I used to do was color that one green and then so I would have on my my moon chart would be like the red moons all lining up over the course of the year and I could see like the pattern like did they come at the new moon did they come at the full moon did they change over time and after doing it for a few years you could see how it changes It's really cool stuff so I will definitely get you that link One important thing that you need to know about the cervical fluid, checking the cervical fluid, is that it will not confirm that ovulation has happened. Yes, it is true that after the estrogen levels drop, there is a very noticeable change in the consistency of cervical fluid. However, it does not tell you that ovulation actually occurred. It's important to know that ovulation is not set in stone and that it can change, like it can be delayed for reasons that you might not expect. Travel, illness, stress, et cetera, et cetera. Like Mother Nature can just throw you a curveball out of the blue and for no reason at all. You know, maybe because the moon was just pink. You know, we had a pink supermoon. We have no idea what our body's gonna do in any given cycle. And so therein lies the danger of not using enough information gathering techniques to actually confirm that ovulation did happen because if for some reason your body decided that it wasn't the right time to release an egg and then two weeks later things seem a little bit better and your body's like, oh, you know what? I think actually I will ovulate after all and the hormones kick back up and all of a sudden you pop out an egg two weeks later than you were expecting. Instead of menstruating, you're ovulating and oops, if you're not protecting yourself or like monitoring that information information, then you find yourself with an unintended pregnancy. So we're going to talk about how to confirm ovulation has happened when we come back from the next commercial break. One thing I want to cover, however, before we take our commercial break, is contradictions or things that can change cervical fluids. Now, one thing in particular, antihistamines reduce mucus. That's their job, and they will change cervical fluids. So if you are taking antihistamines for allergies, be aware that it can affect your cervical fluids and make it look like there's less than they actually are. And so it may make it harder for you to tell that ovulation is approaching. Something else to be aware of is that arousal fluid will change the consistency of cervical fluids. Arousal fluid is what happens when you are excited sexually. Your body starts to get juicy. It produces moisture, lubrication. And so the arousal fluid will evaporate quickly from your fingers. So again, this is where, you know, touching the moisture, the, the, those fluids and closing your eyes and just feeling what they feel like because arousal fluid will feel different and it evaporates more quickly. So that's an important thing. Also, just kind of rule of thumb, don't check your cervical fluids when you're about to have sex. Not the right time to do that, okay? Another thing is if you have had semen inside you, or if you're using any kind of medication suppository, anything like that, of course, it will change the consistency. So, again, if the, any of that kind of stuff is happening, make note, put a note on your chart, you know, oh, I had sex last night, so semen is going to be present. Um, actually, I hope you're not having sex when you're <laughs> approaching uh, your fertile phase. Uh, again, we're just uh, just talking about things that can impact your cervical fluids, and semen is one of them. Douching could also be something else that changes consistency. In general, that's not recommended. It affects your vaginal flora and can increase your risk for having problems with bacterial imbalances and things like that. The vagina has a wonderful gift of being self-cleaning. We don't really need to introduce anything like that. When we come back from our commercial break, I'm going to tell you how to confirm ovulation actually happened. So stay tuned, we'll be right back.
0: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile
2: app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App
0: World, or Android Market.
1: Are you sick of condoms? Does hormonal birth control make you feel sick? Does it cause you to gain weight or kill your sex drive? Do you wish there was a better way to manage your fertility that didn't involve putting artificial hormones in your body? There is a better way, and I've been using it successfully to manage my fertility for over 25 years. It starts with a greater understanding of the female body and a deep dive into exploring your own body and cycle to discover what is normal for you. In my online course, you'll learn about the female cycle and natural birth control methods, I'll teach you my fertility freedom formula so that you'll know how to successfully apply this information to provide you with the level of protection you need to feel comfortable to engage sexually without fear of getting pregnant or getting a sexually transmitted infection. Visit holisticsexedradio.com to find out more. That's holisticsexedradio.com.
0: Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Hey everyone, welcome back. So now what I want to tell you about is the number
1: one way to confirm that ovulation actually did happen. This method is very, very reliable. The trick is, is that you have to be consistent with it. So, what am I talking about? I am talking about the basal body temperature method. Now, this method is using a digital thermometer that is able to measure a tenth of a degree. So, in order for this to work, it has to be able to measure a tenth of a degree. If it doesn't, it doesn't work. So, what we're doing is we are monitoring the body's resting temperature. So, what does that mean? That means when you have slept for three or more hours, preferably five or more, you, your body will reach a resting temperature. And so what this is, is we are going to track the body's resting temperature at the same time every day. So if you have a morning routine, like let's say that you Get up at 6 a.m. every morning, you have an alarm right there, that's your consistent time to get up. What you're gonna do is you're gonna put the digital thermometer right next to your bed. And when your alarm goes off, the first thing you're gonna do after you turn off your alarm is you're gonna put your thermometer in your mouth and record your resting temperature. Now, you don't wanna do anything that is going to change the resting temperature. So That means no sex, no getting up to pee, no getting a drink, no smoking, no doing anything at all except turn off your alarm, stick your thermometer in your mouth, and let it record the temperature. Now, I recommend making sure that you know how your thermometer operates. Some thermometers will remember the temperature until you reuse it. Some of them forget it right away. Some of them if you will remember it except if you do the wrong thing and then it will forget it which I've had happen before. And so my, the habit I got into was I took the temperature, I looked at it so I would remember what it was, and then I would either A, record it, which is what I recommend, or if I couldn't record it right away, I would remember it, and then you know I could always go back to the, the thermometer to pull up the memory. But if I accidentally deleted it, I at least had a mental re- remembrance of what it was. But The most important thing is to record... The body's resting temperature. Now there's a special graph that your temperatures will get recorded on and so each day you will make a little dot on the graph of what your temperature was and then you connect the dots and over time a pattern develops. Now what's happening in the body is that the hormone progesterone is what's causing the temperatures to rise after ovulation has occurred. So what happens is, we talked about with the cervical mucus, what's causing that is the estrogen levels. So after ovulation occurs, there's a little injury left in the ovary where the egg was released from. And that injury is, it's a little wound. And so what it does is it starts to produce the hormone progesterone. Now progesterone has a lot of subtle effects on the body. One of the effects that it has is it slightly raises our body temperature. And so when we are in that resting state, our basal body temperature will be slightly higher after ovulation has occurred. Now, if you're charting your basal body temperature throughout the cycle, you'll see this spike. And so then what you do is you make sure that your temperature stays elevated because you don't want a false, you know, Uh, increase in temperature only to have it come down the next day. Now, women who have irregular cycles will often see that their temperature just jumps all over the map, and it's very irregular. It can be very hard to figure out what's going on, and for women who have irregular cycles, I would encourage you to spend some time balancing your hormones, and that will make learning your cycle a little easier. It will likely make your periods easier. It will hopefully solve a lot of the symptoms or issues that you are experiencing and help to to balance that out. For women who ovulate regularly, this is going to be very pronounced for the vast majority of women. If you have a healthy cycle, once you ovulate, it's going to be a noticeable increase. It's not going to be a lot. We're talking about A tenth, you know, tenths of a degree here. But when you lay these numbers out on a chart, you can easily tell when ovulation has happened with a little bit of experience. So again, after you know being the observer for a minimum of three months, you will very obviously see the change. And then if you're charting your cervical fluids, you will see the changes in your cervical fluids leading up to ovulation. Ovulation happens, which Something very important that you need to know about the basal body temperature method is that there is no warning of ovulation. There's absolutely no warning of impending ovulation. And so this is very important to remember. The basal body temperature is a way of confirming that ovulation actually happened. So once you've confirmed that ovulation did indeed happen, you are in fact non-fertile for the rest of the cycle. So the the question is, is making sure that yes, ovulation did happen. So when ovulation occurs, the egg is capable of fertilization for a window of 12 to 24 hours. After that point, it's not able to be fertilized. So even if sperm get in there after the fact, it's not able to be fertilized. So the trick is making sure that sperm is out of and away from the vagina prior to ovulation once you've confirmed ovulation, then you're non-fertile for the rest of the cycle. So the real trick is absolutely confirming that you did ovulate. And so again, with my clients, my strict rule is no unprotected sex while we're in the learning curve. And when do we start relaxing those standards? It's gradually and it's as they are gaining confidence as I am gaining confidence in their ability to tell what's going on. Now I want to stress that being consistent with tracking your basal body temperature is very important. So you can take a break when you have your period, okay? You can take a week off, but I would actually encourage you just to stick with the habit. It just takes a minute, just be in the habit. So consistency is really the key with this particular method. What's interesting about it too is that it can be used as a way to gain information in a situation where, say, for example, somebody was exposed to semen and they're not sure where they are in their cycle. I've had some of my, you know, some of my clients, people who've come to me in, in crisis um, looking for information on what they should do. And one of the things we can do is try to figure out where they are in their cycle. And the basal body temperature method can yield some interesting information and help us determine that when we don't have the history you know prior like say you're not starting at the beginning of the cycle with day one the first day of menstruation then it can be harder to figure out where you are in your cycle but a lot of times we can tell if ovulation has happened or not not always but sometimes we can and If you find yourself in a situation like that where you need additional guidance uh, about that, you can email me and we can, you know, we can chat about it and see sort of thing. But in a situation where you might have been exposed to semen, I recommend, you know, going out and getting Plan B, which is emergency contraception, just to be safe. Again, prevention is always best. But in an emergency situation, these tools are available to us and can help to prevent unintended pregnancy. I talk about this in more detail in my natural birth control program. I have diagrams there to help people, one, figure out how to tell when they're ovulating using, or when they have ovulated using the basal body temperature method. And then I also have a section where I'm talking about more of like the the emergency contraception, emergency information gathering, type situations. And you can find all of that information in my natural birth control program that is on the website, Holistic Sex Ed Radio. If you go there, you can find links to it. I have some really great images there about the charts that will help to help this to all make sense. Another really great resource is the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. It's kind of like the Bible on basal body temperature, I would say. It's kind of a thick book. There's a lot of information in it. Um, If you don't have a lot of time for reading, again, my natural birth control program will give you everything you need to know. But if you want more information, if you want pictures, if you want stories, her book is really great. I will post that link in the uh, show notes for you. And when we come back from this commercial break, what I want to talk about next is cervical observation, which is a method that's not really talked about very much. You don't see it in books, and it's something that I found super, super helpful, especially since my lifestyle didn't really mesh very well with basal body temperature method because I didn't get up on a regular basis, and so when you have a regular schedule, it can make using basal body temperature a little bit more difficult. So when we come back from this break, I'm going to tell you all about cervical observation. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: Are you sick of condoms? Does hormonal birth control make you feel sick? Does it cause you to gain weight or kill your sex drive? Do you wish there was a better way to manage your fertility that didn't involve putting artificial hormones in your body? There is a better way, and I've been using it successfully to manage my fertility for over 25 years. It starts with a greater understanding of the female body and a deep dive into exploring your own body and cycle to discover what is normal for you. In my online course, you'll learn about the female cycle and natural birth control methods. I'll teach you my fertility freedom formula so that you'll know how to successfully apply this information to provide you with a level of protection you need to feel comfortable to engage sexually without fear of getting pregnant or getting a sexually transmitted infection. Visit holisticsexedradio.com to find out more. That's holisticsexedradio.com.
0: Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Hey everyone, we're back.
1: So let's talk about cervical observation. So what is this exactly? Well, your cervix goes through changes as you go through the cycle each month. And it turns out that these changes are actually pretty profound once you get to know your cervix. So how do you get to know your cervix? Well, you have to acquire a tool for the task, a plastic speculum, and what I'll do is I will post some links to them on in the show notes, so you can just go there, and you'll know where to go and get them. And so a plastic speculum, what do you do with it? How do you use it? Well, yes, I learned about this as a result of my, quote unquote, personal PhD in life. When I was in my 20s, I didn't know how to protect myself from getting pregnant, and so that triggered a quest for information. Which I learned about the basal body temperature method and also about cervical fluids, cervical mucus. And so that's kind of where I started. And as I gathered more information, discovered more books, perhaps one of the most profound books for me was called A New View of a Woman's Body. This book. Was mind blowing. Like, oh my god! Thank goodness I found this book. This book is amazing. And what it did was it taught me about my cervix and how to use the plastic speculum. Because, you know, you've you've probably been to the doctor. You've probably had a Pap smear. And when they put the speculum in, the handles are down. Like, how can you possibly manipulate that yourself? Well, you can't. You can't do it from that position. So what you do is you put the speculum in upside down so you can operate it. Imagine that. So this is something that the women in the 70s started doing. Like there was a big movement um, in the time leading up to Roe versus Wade where women were basically taking back power over their bodies. They were learning how to manage their own fertility, which included giving themselves abortions. And part of that was getting access to the cervix and how to do that is, of course, through a speculum. And so what we would do is, as a result of this book, I learned that my cervix was going through changes over the course of the month. And so what I started doing was I started observing it. And as, so during menstruation, the cervix, there's there's an opening in the cervix that's called the os, O-S, and it's Greek. It means opening. So this is the entrance of the uterus. This is the, the canal which the baby must pass in order to be born into the world. It's very tiny hole. It's not very big. And it's amazing that our cervix can stretch and open far enough to force a baby out through it. Like, oh my God. <laughs> no wonder birth freaking hurts <laughs> yes so we have this little tiny tiny hole in our cervix that a baby must go out and that little tiny hole actually opens and closes over the course of a cycle now it doesn't open and close a lot but the outer there's an outer os and an inner os so the inner os is like a trapdoor that protects the uterus and the outer os is what we see from the external, when we are looking into the vagina through a speculum. Now, in order for a woman to do that, you have to be a little bit of a juggling artist. You have to manipulate the speculum, hold that in place so it doesn't pop out unexpectedly. And then you're manipulating a mirror and a flashlight so that you can see because it's kind of dark in there and we can't like whip our head around to look up our vagina just doesn't work that way so we need a mirror and we need a flashlight so I would like balance like I put the speculum in I'd put a thumb on the speculum to hold it in place I would prop the mirror up on a bed and hold that with my fingers and then I'd shine the light in and kind of like look down in there and sometimes you have to adjust the speculum and go back in or sometimes your cervix is just hiding and you have to like go find it (laughs) (laughs) Like where could I, you'd be surprised. And so yes, finding your cervix for the first time is a little bit of an adventure, but you know what? It's totally worth it. And if you happen to be going in at some point for a pap smear, you can ask your doctor to see your cervix because she's got to find it to do the pap smear. And so she can pull out a mirror, guaranteed she's got one there somewhere and you can see your cervix for yourself. So as the estrogen levels rise, you are going to see an increase in the cervical fluids. You're going to see a change in the consistency, the amount. And then as the consistency is changing and becoming more clear and watery, and you're going to see that that's coming out of the cervix, which will make the opening of the cervix a little easier to see because it won't be blocked by, you know, the thick white non-fertile mucus. And as ovulation is approaching, as the estrogen levels are increasing, you will notice the opening of the cervix start to open slightly. And at the most open part, you'll notice that there is, you know, most likely abundance of fertile fluids. And then you'll notice the cervix, the opening of the cervix will close. The fertile fluids will change And if you're monitoring your temperature a couple days later, you're going to notice that the temperature goes up. And these symptoms taken together, these signs all taken together, is going to tell you that ovulation did happen. And especially when you have that confirmation from the basal body temperature, that lets you know that, yes, ovulation did happen. Yay! And if you happen to have a partner depending on what your agreements are and what you've decided to use for your birth control methods, then at this point, you're non-fertile for the rest of the cycle. So until menstruation begins, you are going to be non-fertile for approximately 10 days. The span of time between when ovulation happens and when menstruation occurs is pretty consistent for individual women you need to find out what is normal for you of course but once you figure that out you're going to find as you chart your cycle over time that that's going to stay pretty consistent and so what changes as i mentioned before is when ovulation actually happens and so that's really the mystery is when it happens when women have short cycles like and i'm when i say cycle i mean from the start of your period all the way through until when your next period starts. So that's going to be an average of roughly 28 days, give or take. But if you have a shorter cycle, you may find that you're ovulating sooner than you might, somebody with a longer cycle or quote unquote more normal cycle might. And so you might find that during menstruation is a fertile time for you. And Something important we need to talk about is sperm longevity. Sperm, very healthy sperm can live for up to a week in conditions when conditions are right. So if you are fertile at your peak of fertility or, you know, you have really good healthy fertile mucus, sperm can get into your cervix, into the uterus, and hang out and wait for an egg to arrive. So that's why I said it's super important if you want to avoid conception is to make sure that sperm is outside of and away from the vagina well in advance of ovulation. So on that note, we are going to wrap things up today. And I want to let you know that there is a free webinar on my website that's all about the menstrual cycle, which will teach you a big chunk of like the preliminary information that we did not cover today. And also I have a program on my website which goes into deeper, more information on natural birth control methods. So it talks about all these three methods we talked about here, plus some other ones that are lesser known, not as user friendly, more costly, things like that. But these are the basics, like the three things that anybody could do to help manage their fertility successfully. And this is a great starting point for you. If you want to know more, go to my website, HolisticSucksEdRadio.com. Check out the webinar for on menstruation. That's free. The natural birth control program I have on special right now, so you can go check that out. And if you want to learn more about it, you know, definitely feel free. There's lots of videos. It's all video, actually. It's a video program, and it has all of the details that you need to do these methods successfully. Right. If you have questions, feel free to email me. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day, and we will catch you next week. Stay safe out there, everyone. Remember, you can prevent unintended pregnancy. Have a great day. Take care. Bye bye.